0: Welcome to Better Angels, the podcast for women creating change. I'm Susan Ferry-Price, and each week I have a conversation with an entrepreneur, activist, investor, or other visionary woman who's helping make our world a little bit better. Thanks for joining us. Today's guest is the kind of entrepreneur that makes me want to call up investors and say, back this woman now. Ivalice Andino was working for healthcare companies when her mom got cancer, and she witnessed firsthand the inequalities in the healthcare system. In time, Ivalice was gathering neighbors around her kitchen table in the Bronx and asking them about their own experiences. Those conversations became a cornerstone of the company she's launched to transform healthcare for underserved communities. Radical Health is the first Latina-owned and operated benefit corp in New York City. And it combines the power of conversations with technology that helps people navigate the system and advocate for themselves. Here's our conversation. You know, we're always asking entrepreneurs about their aha moments, which of course are a culmination of a lifetime of moments. But take us back to when you decided you had to start this company. Yeah, that's such a good question. And I guess I would frame it
1: as I've had multiple aha moments that kind of snowballed into the one that if I said I jumped willingly, um, that might not be true, but basically forced me over the edge. Um, But I think for me, those aha moments or those moments that led me to where I am today, you know, started from when I was pretty young and kind of knew that like um, where I lived, I often say, you know, my zip code predetermined who I'd be, where I'd be, what school would look like, even what my health would be before I even had a chance um, to say. So I grew up in the Bronx, where I live now. Um, And even at the beginning of my career, when I couldn't put that I lived in the Bronx uh, because I wouldn't get called back for an interview. And that was like one moment that showed Uh me, oh, wow, this isn't fair. I think from then on, there were multiple instances so when i made it into healthcare and in the industry and i was you know leading huge projects and training physicians on oncology drugs that were being rolled out, um, and kind of breaking ground there. But my mom had cancer and was in a Bronx hospital and wasn't getting the care and where my voice carried at work. Um, it was muted in the hospital when I was her advocate. Um, and so that was another big moment for me. And I think the the final moment, um, maybe that pushed me there was, uh, when I was, a I made my way into health tech and had been at the forefront of Innovation and building these great apps, but then I was pregnant. Um, in my experience, uh, even with great health care insurance, with a great job, and I knew so much, I knew so many people, um, I still found myself having, you know, an emergency C-section, and, and really being one of the statistics. Um, that was finally the moment where I was like, okay, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do something, and. and I was done with um, helping other people make millions and push an industry forward, but really leaving behind all the folks who've been silenced and unheard, especially right people who have been historically
0: marginalized. And so that was a that was a jump for me to say, okay, we're gonna go now. You had to sort of learn about the system from a, several different angles before you saw all the all the ways that this is a systemic, Problem for women and people of color. Once you had that moment or you realized you wanted to take control of this in your own way from what you'd learned, I'm always curious what people's first steps are. I mean, this is kind of a daunting thing to take on and to take it on as a woman, as a Latina. Where did you start?
1: The first start, I mean, if I'm honest, um, was I didn't really have a game plan. Um, What I tell people who are considering starting their own companies was that my first step was really, I had to believe that I was doing it. I had to believe that, okay, I am now the CEO of Radical Health. And so uh, with new founders and with my friends, when I first started, I would just practice introducing myself over and over again, saying I'm the founder and CEO of Radical Health. And I think that especially for women, for black, brown, immigrant, like whatever your background is, but especially when you haven't seen yourself um, represented, right? Well, if you Google CEOs, we'll see a bunch of white men up there. Um, but I think the first step is one, just believing that it's you and that you belong there. Um, and that doesn't require any capital, doesn't require anything aside, just saying like you are the founder and CEO of this company
0: you're right. It takes nothing to do that, but that actually is a very hard, hard step to take. Yeah. That is the hard, in my opinion, it's the
1: hardest part. Um, I think that for me and and what shifted for me was I was so tired. I was so angry. Um, there's a few things that you can do with, with anger and rage. Um, You could let it sit in you and we all have like the knots on our shoulders and the tension in our back. And um, I have my son and when he gets angry, I can see his fists kind of clench up and you can kind of hold that in. Um, but for me, it was like, I I couldn't keep holding it in any longer. I was so tired of experiencing injustice. I was so tired of seeing it, even when it wasn't directly impacting me, but seeing it all around me. I mean, even today we can ask one of our friends and and every person will have a story of how the healthcare system has failed them. And I was just so infuriated with it that I said, like, I can't hold it anymore. Like I'm going to, I'm going to lose it. But so with that, I, I, just tried to create. Um, and I'd say, you know, I can take a lot of credit for this, but the reality is too, like, there are many people who came before me who kind of started to lead the way. So Dr. Kamara Jones is one um, who came up with and turned, you know, I like did a lot of work around social determinants of health. And so even to see that, to see that there was something else there, um, inspired me then to like make that shift.
0: Where did the name come from? (laughs) Such a good question.
1: So I had been thinking about, you know, wanting to look at health differently. I, my experience, uh, my mom also worked in healthcare. I worked in biotech. I worked in health tech. I had seen all of um, kind of the different ways that health showed up. And I wanted to like be really bold and brave right out of the gate to let everyone know that this wasn't going to be healthcare as usual. It's not going to be just another startup that's cute, but like from first glance, uh, I want you to know that it's different. And when I was looking at different things, um, the word radical, you know, means to get to the root, um, and this idea of getting to the root of health, not just the healthcare system as we know it with hospitals and providers and insurance, but really the core, of health right and recognizing that each and every one of us uh our bodies are beautiful organisms and machines that keep us alive and do so pretty kind of you know like pretty much on their own but recognizing that in each person we each have the core the root of health within us and wanting to to highlight that
0: and i love that it calls out right away that this is a paradigm shift that you're going for like like that whole system's failing. Let's just, let's just get it out there right now. It's failing and it's particularly failing people of color and people who in low income areas, but it's failing across the board. And I think we're seeing that obviously in the pandemic as well, just played out in so many, so many visible ways. You have the tech component, which obviously is very important in our world right now important for a startup and also very useful and then you have what i absolutely love the conversation concept of being crucial to our care so pick one to start and i want to find out what you're doing on both sides and and how you're merging those two yeah
1: susan i think you said this right like the healthcare system is failing us 100%. Most people don't understand basic health information, regardless of how smart you are, how much school you accomplished, how much money you make. We all can think of a moment, whether it's ourselves during this pandemic or someone we love, where we've not really understood what was going on, but then also felt really alone and scared. And maybe where we've second-guessed, right? that the hospital systems or the providers are going to take care of us in the way that we know it. Um, so with that being said, like, I know the times that I felt the most alone and the most scared, I've also then kind of maybe been a little more quiet. I'm pretty, if you know me, I'm pretty loud, but I've also then withdrawn a bit and become a little bit more passive. And At Radical Health, it was really important when we started, we actually started with these conversations where we use Indigenous circle practice um, to bring people together so that it's not so scary. Um, Or even if it is very scary, you're not scared alone. And so we use these conversations, which when I started Radical Health, everyone thought I was, they they were really questioning me. but if you think about your personal life, right, when something happens, you call someone or you text someone or you reach out to the person closest to you and you hopefully have that person. And if you don't, right, you're maybe you're on the internet searching, but you're really trying to find connection. And so what we get to do throughout these conversations is have conversations that we all, I think, are having maybe a little bit more, but probably don't have nearly enough, right? What was it like? How do we find a doctor? How, what what questions should we ask? If we go to get a test and they deny us, right? Or insurance denies the claim, what happens next? And how can we talk deeply about these conversations? Right now, we see a lot around vaccine and maybe vaccine, right, um, hesitancy, but like, why? What's going on? Where can we have a safe place to like bring up those conversations, be like just held in many ways, regardless of our stance, and then use that to build and to learn from one another and support one another. And so the cornerstone of radical health was really rooted in those conversations, that whether you are signing up for a new job and you get that big old packet of paper that tells you to pick an insurance plan and you're like, uh you're trying to choose one right or whether you just had a baby and you're trying to figure out what does the next year look like what does the next day look like um we use these conversations to bring people together and then what we realized were those conversations weren't enough they're necessary uh but they definitely are not enough and It's a very different conversation. Um, The one that maybe you and I are having right now, where it's our voice, we can hear tone. And what I'll share with you is going to be very, very different than what I'm Googling at three o'clock in the morning. Or worse, when I'm in an emergency room and I don't know who to call when my mom was delirious and, and what happens and when I don't know where to go, who to call, where I can get a second opinion. And so we supported these conversations with our chat where you can text or WhatsApp us um, and know what questions to ask. Know what questions to ask maybe before a visit, during one or after. I always joke that like when it's Netflix time, I spend a lot of time watching the previews, seeing what's going to come. Am I going to like this or not? And I still spend significantly less time doing that same prep
0: work for my engagements at the doctor's office or if I have to go to the emergency room and knowing what questions to ask is absolutely brilliant and and of course when you're in that situation especially if it's an emergency a you're doing something new maybe it's the first time you're pregnant but if you are being told you have some kind of illness or it's an emergency situation you don't you have no idea what to ask you've not had this disease before and you're frightened and you have a natural inclination to trust the authority figures in front of you who have more knowledge like, you kind of, you don't feel like you have any choice in those moments. And my journey, watching my elderly mother go through this and just completely going terrified. Like, just she, just, she would just shut down. Um, Fortunately, I was there, but I still didn't know what questions to ask, right? So that aspect in itself is unbelievably transformative for people. Like, here are my questions. I can just look at this app and it will help me have this conversation with this doctor who's terrifying me.
1: Right. And I want to offer too, because what you're saying here is right. You're forced them to rely, um, you know, on providers or their experience. And what we found is that sometimes in these moments, it's not necessarily just the providers that you're relying on and they're brilliant and do great jobs, but what you're really relying on is the system behind the providers or sometimes in front of the providers. We know that, Our healthcare providers work really, really hard and they do the best they can, but they too have to operate within the systems and the structures that don't work for us. So one really good example that we see um, more recently was someone um, was on cancer treatment and needed uh, painkillers, right? As they were going through their chemo, they were in a lot of pain and they needed painkillers. Their provider, prescribed them what they needed. And when they went to the pharmacy, the pharmacy would not fill that prescription without a prior authorization. Um, And and that was basically because the insurance needed to pre-approve and have a a prior authorization. Um, And what that meant was this person had to either pay out of pocket a couple of hundred dollars, uh, for this medication or wait until the insurance company and the provider called in this authorization. to like authorize the payment and what we help this person do. And what most people don't know is that if that ever happens, you don't necessarily, you can ask for a half fill or a quarter fill of your prescription, which means you might get one or two pills, but just enough, right. To, to, you over, it's going to be significantly less. In the case of this prescription, if it was $100, you do a quarter fill that's only $25, which is a little bit more attainable. And then you can wait for your prior authorization and go through the rest of the, the process, right? But what's, what we're talking about here, too, is it's how do we work together and how do we work with providers as well to navigate, again, a system and structures that are in place that do not work for us.
0: In the populations you're working with, too, there is a Historic, uh, maybe that's not the correct word, distrust of the system as well? Or... Yeah. I think what's really important here, right, is that
1: in many ways, and I think more recently, we've heard a lot about this lack of confidence in a healthcare system, lack of trust, right? Um, especially from communities that identify as Black, Latinx, um, immigrant. And what... I personally believe is that that puts a lot of, you know, onness on the communities, right? To say they don't trust. And there's been this historical piece. I think what's really important is if, um, you know, someone punches me in the face, right? They punch me the first time. Okay. The second time. Okay. But if every time I step up, they punch me in the face, it is my job to flinch, right? Or is my job to go out the way? Um, right. It's the appropriate response. Correct. It is... By far, the appropriate response. And so, when we think of, um, and I, I even hate to call it like a historical, you know, lack of trust or lack of confidence, because the reality is, it is protection, it is survival. Um, over and over again, throughout history, even more recently, um, when we heard of stories of of people uh, who were detained in ICE detention centers, right, being being sterilized against their consent. Like that was just less than a year ago that that was happening. Um, We hear over and over again, and we experience it. And these are the the stories that make the news. Never mind the day-to-day engagements that reinforce that you can't trust blindly. Um, And so in this case, I think, right? The communities that we work with, we work pre- predominantly. Ninety-eight percent of the folks that we work with identify as people of color um, in high-concentrated areas of, of poverty. That's where we sit. And to be fair, not everyone who's a person of color lives in poverty. You want to make that distinction. Um, but um, you know what we see in terms of people's responses—that is pure survival, pure instinct. It is, you know a way to to protect themselves. And I think what I'm interested in and what we're working towards with radical health is how do we get restoration? How do we get accountability, right? Because it's easy to say, just trust me, this time it's the right time. But our systems, our healthcare systems, and we can look at that across the board, have done nothing to earn trust, have done nothing to build trust, have done nothing to repair harm that was caused and is still being caused every second of every moment, um, in our day-to-day experiences.
0: How does that restoration, and this is a really important framing, how, how does that, how do we accomplish that? How do you accomplish that? The reality is everyone who's had a lived experience
1: is the expert. We say over and again, you know, you know, your body better than anyone else in this world more than that, you also know your experiences and the experiences you've seen. So through our conversations, through our circles, right, we're able to hold that space and say that we don't know and we can't know. That means that also allows us, right, not to push an agenda or invalidate people's experiences. So I think that's One way. Um, The other thing that we're doing, and and this is a little different than most of the health tech companies you'll see out here, is like we really are shifting power. Um, We really believe, you know, and Our belief is, like, how do we give people the information, help them, right, have more agency over their life, over their health? Um, And we're not doing this to empower. We're not doing this to kind of, you know, it's just like top-down approach, but really believing that our people and communities, right, across the, you know, everyone. Uh, Susan, you talk about being a caregiver. As a caregiver, you know more than anyone else about this process. So how do we give you the power to tell the healthcare systems, the providers, government, even the insurance companies, what you need, what you want, right? And we're doing that through asking these questions, we're doing that through our data and analytics on the back end where we can see where things are working and where they're not, um, you know, through de-identified trends. And that's really what we're doing that's a little different. And I'd also add in, like we can't do, this. we're not doing this alone because we're one piece in kind of addressing what is
0: like major healthcare inequity and, and injustice. It's a really overwhelming system. Maybe take us briefly through the process and the community that you're seeing. Have people opened up a little more to you?
1: We've done over 3,000 hours of these conversations where people are chatting with us. We've had an incredible amount like support from community members, right? So regular people who are like, yes, we need this. Um, Where we are today, um, we currently work with population health departments and employers, right? So right now you can access Radical Health. Maybe your employer brings us in, and as you, again, get your sign up, um, instead of like a pizza party or a massage, you'll have access as well to Radical Health um, or through hospital systems and their population health departments. That's how people can access us now. We are currently in New York State, in Washington state um, and in the next few months we'll be in California. Wow. Like people, everyday people have want this, they need it. I myself all the time, am always like, oh my gosh, like what do I need to know now? Especially in those moments we said, right? Where we don't know what's happening. Um, what we're working towards now, and it's it's been a great, you know, uptake, is how do we work more closely with the systems themselves how do we work closely with hospital systems with payers right with everyone in the ecosystem including our policy and you know lawmakers how do we work really closely because i think we're at a moment um, in time where we can't keep operating blindly with our healthcare every other industry right so we talk about education, right? There's, there's reports, there's insights. We can see that we can look at, you know, even incarceration in the criminal justice system, right? Where there's some oversight, we're starting to get there. And I think healthcare has been a little behind in terms of showing us like, where are we falling short? Where, where, where isn't it working? We know it from personal antidotes, but what we're really trying to do now is pull in our partners so we can all work together. Because I think we all agree that COVID-19 really highlighted how we fall short. Um, and it's now a great place for us to be in where we have partners and we're working more towards this collective shift.
0: Absolutely needed. How are you funding this? What has been that journey for you? I did radical health. I thought, you know, I'd come from two health tech
1: startups previously. They raised some money, had some exits. So I was very like, this is going to be great going to raise some money. We'll get to test out and have some experiments, see what works and then build from there. The, so, like, the joke was on me because I didn't, I, I didn't know that. I was a little naive um, when we look at the numbers, right. And how companies are funded, how women, specifically black Latinx women um, are funded in terms of tech startups, so I did, um, what I know how to do was like, all right, well, if you're not going to fund me, I'm still going to build this. And I think this taps on kind of what we're saying earlier of like, there was a fight in me and there is a fight in me. Um, I often say this isn't just professional; it's personal. Uh, but so we were bootstrapped, uh, for five years, generated revenue and, Basically, you know, in the last year, it was time for us, um, Tori talked about earlier, where we have more demand than what we can do as a scrappy little startup um, who is self-funded. And so it was this year that we decided we were going to take on some funding. Um, We've been backed by incredible investors um, who really believe in our mission, who believe in this idea that you can have incredible impact and have profitability and make a difference. And so we are currently on a a fundraising journey and I'm really excited to, to use both the momentum of like our community and our people and our clients, as well as now
0: this funding journey um, to, to, to move forward really. Yeah. In order to expand, you know, it is necessary to a point, but the fact that you bootstrap is to me, it's, I don't know, uh, over the years, what I've spoken to founders, it's the ones that started there and stayed there a while that ultimately are the, you know, successful because you know how to handle money. You know what you can do. You know, you don't go crazy with funding at the wrong time. And, you know, you've proven your model before you're expanding.
1: Yes. And it's been great too, because I think at this point, right. And, and this is the the hard lessons that you kind of, I've learned through experience, right. Which has been helpful but when you when you bootstrap and you can generate your own revenue beforehand what it does is it also lets us be really picky with the funding we take on because we we don't need the funding to continue to grow we don't need the funding like we are sustainable on our own a little slower right a little more nimble um but it also then allows allows us to find really aligned investors. Um, and we're not just throwing, you know, jet fuel and everything and just seeing what happens, but we get to build intentionally, strategically. Um,
0: and I think for us, that's probably our number one goal. Is what has surprised you in this on this path you've been on so far, both personally and maybe with the business itself? No, I am constantly
1: surprised at how collaborative and helpful people have been. Um, When I was starting out in business um, and in corporate, it felt very much, you know, dog eat dog. Only one of us can make it to the top. Um, I was, you know, often on the bottom of that ladder, kind of being pushed down or experiencing like that glass ceiling. Like I could never, you know, get past it. And what's been really surprising is how, other founders, investors, partners, you know, journalists have really stepped up. And, and this isn't just in a, in a business exchange, but really in a collaborative committed way to, you know, we're committed to you. I believe we're committed to you, radical health, personal, professional, and really have wrapped kind of their arms around us as a whole and and been super supportive. And I think of that as just like, that's one of the things as I look back now, you know, in the last five years and how much work I've done and where I've been and how I've gotten there, it's really been a testament to the power of community. And I think that also is a little bit of the surprising part in the business side, um, that radical health was really started and built with the people. Um, on the ground, right? The people, you know, we we tip, we don't we intentionally don't use the word patients, um, but really the people, the everyday people who have rallied and proven and shown, um, shown me as a CEO, shown our clients, shown our investors, and show kind of and are showing the rest of the world like this is necessary and needed.
0: The really heartening messages, um, and I, you know, we're all patients. By the way, everyone's a patient of the healthcare system you know, all the time in various ways. So it's it's actually a really other important small change that is actually quite radical to just, just stop using this. We're all participating in our health every day.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you a fun fact. So the reason we don't use the word patient is because in Latin, the root word of, of patient actually means to suffer, you know, to be patient, to wait, to suffer, to, to wait in suffering, these are things that we don't believe to be true. And so even in our words and our language, you try to be as intentional as
0: possible. And that's so powerful because even just saying that, I got to, you know, my chest felt sad, you know, because it puts you in that state of being dependent and a victim and you can't take power over your health when you're feeling those things. It's a really hard thing for anyone to feel powerful and able to make a choice when they're when they're vulnerable if you could give everybody one piece of advice for, big question, dealing with the healthcare system or our doctors or our health. Yes, so the single thing that I would say
1: um, is you are not alone and you don't have to do this alone. Healthcare, health, the healthcare system can be really overwhelming, it can be really scary especially when we're facing with, you know, life and death, literally. Um, But whatever your experience is, right, whether it is some of the most egregious, harmful experiences, um, or maybe one that's not, you know, not so horrible, but you are not alone, right? So whether it's the fears you have, the concerns, um, somebody else has something similar, and if they can't, they can relate. And so I would offer that if you are listening to this and you are, you know, maybe you have an appointment coming up and you're nervous, Um, maybe you have a mammogram and you don't know what's going to happen or what to expect, or maybe you just got some, you know, some good news to share it with someone, have a conversation. One of my favorite prompts, and I would invite everyone to do this is to ask just your neighbor, your friend, your sister, your brother, what does health mean to you? Let's start having more conversations around health. Let's start bringing that to the forefront of what it means, what's important, what we're afraid of. And I think that is where we start to see the magic happen because um, we're not keeping it in the dark
0: anymore. That's a powerful message for all of us to start changing the stories we tell about our own health and start changing the system itself. Find out more about Ivalise's work at radical-health.com And just as our healthcare system needs reinvention, so many of us are going through personal transformations at this time. Join me next week for a special episode of Better Angels, the last episode of my first season, in which I'll be talking about one of my favorite topics, which is reinvention with Linda Rossetti, who is an expert in the area and has some of the best research on the topic that I've found. Follow Better Angels on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And follow me, Susan Ferry Price, on Twitter, Instagram, or drop me a line at Susan at SusanFerryPrice.com. See you next week.